Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Guessing you've heard that the Steelers are six and zero. Further guessing that you've heard that they're the NFL's last undefeated team. But my goodness, if there's a group anywhere in professional sports that isn't going to let that get to their heads, you'd better believe it's this one. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Coming to you from Nashville, I'll be back in time for Mike Tomlin's press conference and everything else that goes into this week. It'll be Steelers and Ravens, guessing you've also heard that, <laughs> this coming Sunday down in Baltimore. Lots of fun on the horizon. The Baltimore game couldn't be coming at a better time. I know a lot of people don't see it that way because the Ravens had the bye week and they're sitting there all healthy, and they've made a couple of roster moves that are very clearly aimed at facing the Steelers. And the Steelers, of course, just played a game that turned out more challenging and punishing than it should have been. But they seem like they came out of it, for the most part, healthy and not all that damaged. The part that I like best is that in addition to coming out of it with hard lessons learned and a little bit of a humbling that resulted from that second half is that they also have this mindset that they haven't achieved anything. There isn't any, any of that gosh, wow. Maybe like among a a couple of younger players, I've sensed it. Terrell Edmonds was telling us yesterday, yeah, I'm really loving this. We're 6-0 and whatever, and that that's cool. He's a kid. I, I, I'll bet Alex Highsmith and Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and, and the other younger guys are, are, are pretty stoked about it as well. That's okay. That's okay. You're not going to see them lose their brains in an environment that's got mature adult leadership to keep everyone grounded. This is the best start of Ben Roethlisberger's career, too. Don't forget. But he's not about to lose his mind, particularly after seeing, experiencing some of the offensive inconsistencies that took place yesterday in Nashville. Cam Hayward won't allow it on defense. Marquise Pouncey won't allow it on offense. 
And Jordan Dangerfield, the special teams captain, might not allow it with that group either, even though that's where most of the kids are. I'm guessing that he won't. David DeCastro uh, was on a call with us yesterday and probably put this better than I ever could. You know, I always say you got to be that professional. You got to be professional. And when things are going well, you know, you never, if you play long enough in this league and you've been humble enough times, whether you win or lose personally as a team, you, you kind of know just to take it week by week. And like I said, you just wait till you, the second half when it matters. Anyways, all this stuff right now is just kind of positioning. You know what I mean? You see, what was it Baltimore last year was the, was number one and they lost in the loss after a bye. You know, we've, we've been in the same position with Jacksonville beating us after a bye. So we know it's a long season. Like I said, we're just enjoying it. We're enjoying the chance to be able to play football and um, not take ourselves too seriously. And then, and, and, be hard on ourselves and critiquing ourselves this week. Good. Keep it that way. Just keep it that way. That loss is going to come. It might be Sunday in Baltimore. The Ravens might have all the edges in this. It might come in a game that really disappoints everybody because every team has one of those every year. Everyone's talking, oh, the Mike Tomlin game where they play down to somebody. Every team does that. The Steelers could end up doing that as well. When you look at the remainder of this schedule, actually the chances are pretty good that somewhere along the line some lousy team is going to beat them. That's just how it goes. That's just playing 16 games and stuff going wrong, whether it's the Cowboys, the Bengals, or the Jaguars. And yes, those are the three teams that follow Baltimore. And and then there's another game against the Ravens after that. Something will go wrong. We should now be at the point when we're talking about this team that we do so within the context of of a Super Bowl contender. Doesn't mean they're there yet. It means that's how we should be talking about it because that's the bar now. That's where they need to be aiming. I'm sorry, but I saw firsthand right in front of me that first half against one of the NFL's best teams. I saw the previous week them completely destroy an opponent that's now 5-2. and two. And it's easy for us, especially in Pittsburgh, to say, ah, they're the Browns, they stink, they're the Browns, they're the same old Browns, they're exposed, they're phony. That's probably true. But they're still 5-2. and two, And one of those two losses was just a total destruction. Same thing as the first half against Tennessee. This is a team that has that level of performance as its bar. They can do it because they've done it. As Clint Hurdle, the old manager of the Pirates, used to say, it's in there. We've seen it. We know it's in there. With the Steelers, we've seen it on way too many occasions. We've seen consistency... Again, Sunday notwithstanding, between halves. With all facets of the game, we have seen a consistent pass rush. A dominant pass rush. We have seen a consistent running game. We've seen an increasingly consistent passing game. Again, throwing out Ben's interceptions 
against the team that, by the way, leads the NFL in takeaways in the Tennessee Titans. The pieces are all there other than Devin Bush. The pieces are all there. Everything is in place for this team to reach the Super Bowl. And as rotten as it's going to be when they do lose a game, whether it's to the Ravens or whether it's to one of the many lesser teams left on the schedule, what's going to matter way more is that they get better from it. That they get better from it. And staying grounded is going to be not number one, but really, really close to number one. Number one is just having the talent, and they do. But if they stay humble, if they understand that we haven't made it, we haven't done anything yet, and it's not just an act, it's not just a song and dance. Uh, as DeCastro said, this is a team that was 13-3 and three and went out there and got absolutely raked by Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars, and they never saw they never saw it coming. They had no idea what hit them. The Jaguars ran right up the gut on Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt, and boom! Like they weren't even there. They didn't even exist. The room, I remember it like yesterday, the locker room, they were shocked. They were, oh, what just happened? They weren't even upset. I've seen playoff losses where you're upset, you're angry, you're... This was just stunned. They had no idea what hit them. And I dare say that was in part because they'd gotten to 13-3 and and thought they just can't... They can't do anything wrong. Try hard, but you have to think in your head that you can get better. This team, right now, the 2020 team, can get markedly better lot of areas. Some of those were exposed by the Titans. Some of those have been exposed by other lesser teams along the way. More will be exposed Sunday in Baltimore. Good. Pile them up. Take notes. Check off boxes. When we come back, a little bit of hockey. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. A little bit of hockey at a time where there's really not a whole lot of hockey anything happening. Jim Rutherford of the Penguins fired Jason Carmanos, his assistant GM, and in a way replaced him with Trevor Daly, of course the former NHL defenseman who simultaneously announced his retirement. And it looks like uh, a whole big bag of, huh, (laughs) on the surface. But I think I might be able to make some sense of it. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at Luxembourg Garbett, Kelly and George. 
that's a personal injury law firm that represents people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been AV rated. That's the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics. They've also been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. That is a rare combination in this industry. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can also learn more about them online at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Jim Rutherford is a man of results. If that sounds excessively dramatic, so be it. When you win a couple of championships and you get selected for the Hockey Hall of Fame, you have the right to have some drama attached to who you are. Jim Rutherford is definitely in that category. And there shouldn't have been any question in anyone's mind that he was robustly displeased with what happened to the Penguins this summer in losing to Montreal, but also that there was more to it. He he saw things that he didn't like in the regular season. There were spurts, there were parts where he was happy, especially when, ironically, they had a lot of guys injured and the people that they brought in to replace them were playing Mike Sullivan's system, and it all looked beautiful, and then the guys who were injured came back, and then all of a sudden the team didn't look like that, and so he starts wondering whether or not it's a character thing, if it's a commitment thing, because if the guys we're bringing up from the American League are doing this stuff and you're not, maybe you're the problem. So he looked at a lot of issues related to the roster. He's made changes to the roster. I'm not sure they're all great. We'll find out. A lot of that depends on how Mike Matheson, in particular, the defenseman that they got from Florida, turns out. A lot of it's going to depend on Kasperi Kapanen. Maybe even more of it, I should say, on Kapanen, because he's going to be on that role on a top line in which I still can't say for certain who out of Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, or Cap We'll be back-checking. I guess we'll find out. He also made moves Rutherford did at the coaching level. I mean, almost all of the moves. Sullivan's still there. Everyone underneath him, except for Mike Buckley, the goaltending coach, changed. At some point in the process, though, Jim was going to look in the mirror, too. He obviously can't fire himself, but he was going to look at Factors that went into decisions that he made, information that was given to him toward decisions that he made, advice that was given to him. You don't throw anybody under the bus with that, and he's not anything at all like the type to do that. He's not going to be a guy that says, well, I signed Jack Johnson because I got faulty advice from... Carmanos and his analytics stunk. His analytics told me that Jack was great and was worth a five-year deal. That's not the case. Every GM, every good GM is always going to take all of the blame or whatever and, and none of the credit. 
particularly for major contract decisions like that. But, but, that doesn't and shouldn't prevent the GM from being able to look back at those decisions, look back at things that either went right or wrong, and ask whether or not he's getting the best advice. Is he getting the best level of work? I'm not talking about Carmanos. I, I don't know. I don't have inside information on what he might or might not have done wrong here. I'm trying to share an educated guess as to why Rutherford would be engaging in this level of introspection. And that's what it is. It's introspection. He's looking at his own job. He's looking at his own decisions. Did he want to bring Daly back? There's no question about that. I mean, he, he said so yesterday. He's on the record. To hear Daly later in the day, it sounds like it was very much mutual. Like once he decided he was going to hang up the skates, this was where he wanted to be, in particular, working with Rutherford. To, to see what the, you know, this side of, of the game looks like, um, you know, and to get it with this organization and, and to get it with Jim, um, who I said, you know, um, Jim's one of the most uh, respected people in the game. Um, especially that what he does um, in that field. So to to be you know so hands on with him um, really made my decision um, easy. By all accounts, there isn't anything ugly here. There isn't anything uh, nefarious. Our Dave Molinari confirmed as much in speaking with Rutherford yesterday. This was just a general manager looking to, in his eyes, build up his support staff, upgrade his support staff. Nothing wrong with that. You can't just look across all the other facets of the hockey operation and say, that was wrong, that was wrong, that was wrong. But everything that went into my decisions, that was all good. Not going to fire himself, to repeat myself, but he can do this. And at least that thinking that goes into that. I like it. When we come back, a little bit of baseball. Welcome back. Baseball is promised. The World Series continues and or concludes tonight with Game 6. Dodgers, of course, holding a 3-2 lead, and if everything goes well, the Dodgers will win, and the team with the highest payroll will have beaten the team with one of the lowest payrolls so that we can proceed with the discussion that really matters heading into a labor year, and that's that baseball desperately needs a salary cap. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. In normal times, one in seven people in our region don't know where their next meal is coming from. That includes one in five children. The food bank has been active, has been aggressive, and now they're looking to ramp that up that much further 
to make sure that food can get to people where it's needed. Not everyone asks. Not everyone comes out to the distribution centers. Find out more about this at growsharethrive.org. I'm going to give that to you one more time. Growsharethrive.org. For a limited time, if you put 10 bucks in, there's a five-buck match. That's pretty good. Ben Charrington spoke with DK Pittsburgh Sports over the weekend. Had some interesting remarks about the future of player development, some of the assessments that he's been able to make. Uh, I've asked Ben a lot of questions since he's become GM, and most of those he's deferred, not because he's trying to, to punt or blow me off or whatever, just because he hasn't had a chance to evaluate. And then the pandemic hits, and then there's no minor league season. Uh, there's hardly any chance to see the prospects outside of those that were hanging around in Altoona at that satellite camp trying to cobble together scrimmages. So it's been tough. So try to keep that in context when you hear this quote from him. We do think there's real improvement happening here, first and foremost, and I think the staff has done a really good job partnering with the players that are here. And by here, he's referring to instructional leagues down in Bradenton. Even before the camp started to assess and identify a priority and area to improve on during camp, I think they've done a good job partnering to design practice and drills to move toward that. I think there's skill improvement happening, important skill improvement happening. Yeah, I know. When you hear anybody from the Pirates talking about improvement, there's an instant reflex of picturing the last bad thing you saw on the field at PNC Park, and there are a lot of bad things. And there are going to continue to be a lot of bad things because these players that are out there, for the most part, came up through the Neil Huntington-Kyle Stark system where the priority was on carrying logs on the beach and not on baseball technique. Charrington is anything but the type to denigrate his predecessor. They're actually friends, and they've communicated. But Charrington is also anything but the type to engage in, much less obsess in, something as silly as the hoka hay crap that was in place under Huntington and Stark. He's all about baseball. He's all about baseball skills, instruction, smarts, savvy, fundamentals. And I could see Ben Charrington being in his heaven right now at Pirate City, watching these guys, kids I should say, being taught the game properly, being made to understand that there's a certain right way to do this thing in this situation. And I love that the focus is there. No, we're not going to see that in Pittsburgh for a while. It's going to take those those kids uh, a good two, three, four years to get here. That's just the nature of baseball instruction. That's, that's in development. That's not something that's unique to the Pirates. That's been true forever. 
But when we do, it's going to be a generally better product. It does require patience, but so does this broader process. So when you hear him say that the pirates have shown improvement, don't think about it from the pirates' perspective. I saw it too. They have real problems at the major league level. Their players did not improve. Their players, most of them, actually went backward. They regressed. And as I said through the summer, and as I'll continue to say until it changes, the onus is on Derek Shelton and his coaches to reverse that. For the 26 players that will take the field on a daily basis, that's on the people at field level. Ideally, ideally, they all just had a rough year. But Josh Bell needs to be a better player. Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Newman need to get back on the trajectory they were at in 2019, not 2020. But understand, one more time, that what Charrington's talking about is at a much lower, much deeper, much more foundational level than what we see. Thanks so much for listening. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.